Do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Berzo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. How do we give every of the 600 million farmers in the world access to a trustworthy regenerative hotline when they have questions or are stuck? It's safe to say that we'll never get there with the current approach, having amazing consultants and advisors who are usually overworked and can never reach enough farmers to really have a large impact. Is there another way? And what's the role of tech, especially the newly hyped and very capable, almost magic-like, large language models like ChatGPT? What are the risks? How do we make sure this knowledge is accessible to all while creating a self-sustaining business and not fall into the trap of gatekeeping? Plus, on top of that, how do we reward the people that have assembled this knowledge in the first place? This is the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast, Investing as if the Planet Mattered where we talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land and our sea, grow our food, what we eat, where and consume. And it's time that we as investors, big and small, and consumers start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. To make it easy for fans to support our work, we launched our membership community. And so many of you have joined us as a member. Thank you. If our work created value for you, and if you have the means, and only if you have the means, consider joining us. Find out more on gumroad.com slash investing in regenag. That is gumroad.com slash investing in regenag. Or find the link below. Welcome to another episode. Today with the co-founder of FarmOn, a regenerative hotline, independent farming advice, anytime, anywhere. Welcome, Tim. Hey there. And starting with a personal question, because uh, it's not such an ob- obvious journey, let's say, um, from, from the tech world. I mean, from the tech world, you're still deep in the tech world, but uh, combining the tech world and the farm world uh, in, in, one, uh, in one startup, in one venture, what brought you to focus on soil and regenerative agriculture? Well, I'm actually a software engineer by training, and I've been working in software for the yeah last almost like probably like ten years. And I think what we have there is like we have like a thousand iterations a day. We can literally like go through, tinker around, try out things. And I think um, this is also exactly what we need when we working together with farms and um, everyone needs to kind of like try out things, experiment. And um, yeah, and so bringing this kind of mindset to problems that really matter, I think is what really motivated me to switch into this direction. Um, So previously working with AI, machine learning, it's also nice, but usually sometimes the problems are small. <laughs> like working with soil and working with nature is, uh, I think, one of the most important problems of our times. And I mean, I, I think 
not many people would disagree, let's say, listening to this, uh, if, if you are, are in this rabbit hole and listening to this podcast. But what uh, was there a moment that triggered you or a process into um, applying that knowledge you have and the experience you have and, and not, for instance, uh, I'm curious about if there was a moment or a trigger and also why not, uh, let's say, start a farm or, or really uh, leave the tech uh, world for that in, in that sense. Was, was there a trigger uh, that made you see soil in a, in a new light or made you see soil differently uh, compared right. to you before? Was it always there and you were just waiting for the right moment to, to jump? Um, no, to be honest, it has not been there like that. So I was studying geography before as well, and um, I worked um, with satellite data. I worked with like a nature context, I'd say. But uh, reality is that my now partner actually contacted me and was like, hey, do you want to be part of this um, like accelerator program, um, which is Fresh Ventures? And um, so we got in touch and um, I got interviewed a couple of times for it. And then um, I joined this accelerator program and in which we, yeah, we basically got a masterclass around the food system, about regenerative agriculture, etc. And um, it has been a very interesting experience for me. And I also met my co-founders there. And this, I think, is really like the moment when I also started to understand like the, the vastness of the, of the, yeah, of the system, of the problem itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I'm interested when, um, when that call came from, from your now partner, but then, then, uh, let's say the venture lead or, or looking or rec recruitment, um, for fresh ventures, which was already focused specifically on the food system. When that question came, like, look, would you be interested in joining, um, in joining a venture studio focused on, on one theme, basically, what was your first thought? Like, yes, but there's so many other things or yes, I've been waiting for this call sort of to, to happen or ooh, food interesting, but because you. It wasn't that you were looking for this in the sense we were looking for a venture studio focused on food and ag. It was more that the venture studio focused on food and ag found you. Um, yeah, I think it's a serendipity. Like, uh, and I, I don't know. Like, it just how how to say that I was always ready to start a startup, and I've been always working in that field and scene, and um, and I've been doing things before. Um, also you know, independently together with others. And um, I, yeah, I just uh, saw it as like great opportunity to do something that could potentially have some impact. And, um, and um, yeah, like since then, I've been super um, grateful that I've been able to go on to this journey, right? Like um, it's been, it's been, uh, now almost two years that this call came and uh, I never looked back. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's great. <laughs> and, and you, you, I will definitely put the link links below actually to the previous interviews we've done with uh, with Bart of, of Fresh Ventures, where we go deeper into the model and, and also talking about after the first cohort, which you were part of. Uh, and in full disclosure, I'm an advisor at Fresh and I always like to hang around. Um, but then. You, you went into that sort of pressure cooker learning an incredible amount in a very short time um, about the food and agriculture system. And 
um, at the end or sort of through the process found your co-founders and, and farm on was born. Um, how that does that happen? Because I know it's been a, um, let's say a meandering river. Like it's not that you from the first second thought, okay, this makes so much sense. Let's build a hotline for regenerative farmers. Um, what was that process like to, to get to the current shape? Of course, in a startup things always change. So might maybe in, in a year or two years, if we re-interview, um, farming looks very different, but like, how does, did it get to the current shape that we are talking now, September, 2023 of farming? Like how does your mind work when you're with your expertise and with the, with your co-founders to to get to this? It's a very good question. Um, so my background is a lot has a lot to do with satellite image analysis and um, doing that at a large scale and previously for risk assessment. And um, so coming from that angle, we also started and were really looking into like measuring outcomes, measuring practices from space. And um, that is nice and beautiful. And there's like definitely some use cases for that. But I think one of the key realizations for us was if you have a trusted relationship with a farmer, you can just call them and just ask them what is growing on the field, right? And so like the, like basically how much information and how much like you can like communicate is uh, so much higher when you just like start, for example, a hotline. And um, so the, the impact that you can have on a field level is also just much higher. And um, so I think this is, that is really like this key realization we had. And um, the relationship and, and so far that you can literally call the farmer, take a picture of this or what is growing now, how is it going, instead of relying on the eyes in the sky and, and the, the software and the AI then to turn it into saying something you said yeah but what if we just call the farmer he or she would know <laughs> exactly and like and i think there's also another big one that is very motivating for us um so if you think about who you're building monitoring and verification kind of um tools for it's like it's like a you build a business model on mistrust and i think what is relevant for us is actually to uh, also, what we realize over the time, I think, is to build like a business model that is based on trust, on untrust to get like with the farmers and us, and um, and so this is really what we are aiming for in this key of yeah our our vision now how we are how we want to go into the future. Yeah. Do you want to learn how to invest or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? We have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. Yeah, and then for sure you came to the realization as well that independent farming advice which is like your tagline um isn't very easy to come by like for for farmers that are um stepping outside i'm going to use quotes here or air quotes uh, the system and want to change it's very difficult to to find independent farming advice um you remember do you remember when that hit you like look actually there's there's a huge need for knowledge here and it's not easy to, to get it in a consistent way um, because a lot of farming advice is paid for by input companies, rightfully so, but of course they want to sell inputs. Um, so do you remember when, when that, that piece of the puzzle hit you? Um, 
there's no key moment, I think, that we really had like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is what we need to do. But what happened is that through talking with a lot of farmers and also talking with a lot of experts and pioneers, um, we realized that um, their time is always scarce, right? And like, um, so ba building basically like a co-pilot, like a tool kit for, for people who have been trying out things and are also willing to share that is um yeah what what the system actually needs um and like we don't need another like faq or like knowledge database or so now what we actually need is like like a, like applicable knowledge that is context specific and this is where experts and pioneers um can really play a role like you can of course read everything online etc but like making it applicable, making it like an intelligent action that you're taking, I think that is um, what we identify as really missing. And, and why do you see that not happening at scale? Like imagine I'm a farmer uh, that has made some, some small changes or has made some changes, but sort of is feels uh, I'm in the dark, like the next steps are, are tricky. What, uh, what are the current options without Farmom? I have to to feel comfortable and confident to to take next steps or to to answer some of the basic questions or questions I have. Yeah. So if you're lucky, you know someone that you can contact, and we think that there is like so there's WhatsApp groups on which you're gonna get help, and there's that is the one side of things, and like there's um, Telegram groups in Germany, for example, and then on the other side there's like an expert that you can contact that then comes to your farm. But it's very pricey, right? And so, like, there's like this difference between like a very pricey solution and like a for free solution, where you're at like mercy of somebody answering to you, and also it's precious time also for them to answer, right? And like, so more often than not, it's only a very like short answer that doesn't maybe take into account like, yeah, like your context because they have been doing it somewhere else and they don't just like quickly write something and like so what we want to introduce and what we already introducing is like a tier in between where you can get context specific advice by having a conversation with someone uh, with this expert but you don't maybe have to pay like this all this like money that you would have to pay otherwise if this person comes to your place and um and then the second and time thing is, as well because if i ask them, if i have a question before one of the top gurus, advisors, consultants has time to come to my place, the problem might have already, or the question might have already be either irrelevant or I lost a crop or a season in some cases, like there, there's a timing issue there as well. Like the, the chances of me calling somebody and, and he or she coming to visit tomorrow or today are near zero probably. Absolutely. So and, not even um, the cost itself, but also the timing is, is I think a big piece there. Yeah, and like it's a big piece for the for the experts as well. Like, so essentially, they need to go into a car, like take a car, drive sometimes four hours, or even have to take a plane to come to your place, right? Like, how often can you do that in a, in a year? Maybe two hundred times. You as like a technical busiest. person is yeah. You're <laughs> that, that must sound crazy. Yeah, as a, as a, but then how do you get over that context specific piece? I think is a big question we'll get into. But for your tech brain and and. I've known you a bit and know not how it works, but seeing you, you approach problems that must sound like, yeah, you can do max 150, 200 of these visits, consultants, maybe a year. And like, yeah, there's just, that's the limit of scale because you have 24 hours in your day. And, and even the best one 
uh, will be booked all the time and, and just never have the impact he or she can have. Exactly. And like, so really scaling these ideas that are currently locked into people's brains is what we need to do to make, yeah, regenerative agriculture actually a thing for many people. And um, yeah. And so how does it work? Let's say, let's take me as an example again. I'm a, um, a, I'm a farmer starting to apply some practices to regenerate my soil, and, uh, but I'd like to take it to, to the next level. And I have some questions. What, um, what, what does the process look like? It's uh, very, very simple. Um, so essentially, if you know about us, then you come to our website, farmanapp.com. There's a big button. You click on it, and it brings you to your favorite um, messaging app. And then in this messaging, messaging app, um, you can just like record a voice message, um, write a text about like, your problem, your context, etc., then we will take this on. Do you give me prompts? Like, what should I, what I should answer? Like, do you give me a, like a script? Like, make sure you at least discuss X, Y, Z. Yeah. So exactly, we are we are guiding you through that process, um, and then essentially we are asking like important questions. So to actually know, for example, where you are, because like your location matters a lot and like what your farming methods are, like maybe if it's necessary, like what kind of machinery you have. So like all these like questions that add enough context so that then the experts are able to um, answer this question adequately. And like, so we basically take on these questions and then we match you to someone um, who had like a similar experience or who has been doing exactly that already previously. And um, yeah, they can then together with you assess your options. And I think this is also really important to see, like we are probably not able to answer every question like directly and say, this is the yeah, answer, it's gonna be, but it's more yeah, like... How, how likely is it? But so you connect directly me with, um, with an expert and, and maybe with a conversation like that, it triggers the questions and frameworks I need to think about before exactly. whatever in my context. We are really seeing that more like a process um, than, and like really trying to like lay flat the options or give a second opinion. I think that's also a really important aspect of it. Like I'm, I'm having ideas and my neighbors maybe also are doing the similar thing, but like I just want to have someone else that basically tells me like, yeah, this is probably good. I have you thought about X, Y, Z. And like, this is really where Farman then comes in. And um, there's limitations, of course, to like not being like on the field and being able to smell the soil, et cetera. And, um, but um, I think there's like this back and forth in a, of a conversation that actually enables um, someone who's maybe not directly from where you are um, to step into the shoes of you and like go on this journey with you together. And from like, where are you now in terms of sep it's September, 2023, uh, when you'll be listening to this, it might be October or somewhere far in the future, but let's say we released this, uh, early October. Um, what is Farmon currently, how many of these matches have you made? Like, what are you uh, measuring as, as success in this case? How many of these conversations have happened? What have you, what have you seen there, learned there, surprising? Yeah. Um, has it been working? I think is the underlying question here. Yeah, there's a, that's a good question. So um, we started that this hotline a couple of months ago. And so far we had, 
maybe 60 people, um, like farmers we're working together with. And um, so, and these questions are either very specific and, or they can also be very like strategic. And, um, and sometimes it's hard to, of course, know how good the actions were that you were taking after you got our advice. So like, I think we need to really run through an entire season to properly assess that. But of course, since we have like this direct connection with people, we can also get feedback. And um, so everyone who, after we're answering a question, we've been like, asking people to rate us like um and so far we only got positive res results which is of course very nice um but it is not the true the true measuring the true thing that we would like to monitor but like the true thing we would like to monitor is like how well did it did this like help you in the long run right and that's uh that just takes time yeah yeah it takes time for the season or seasons to to evolve and, and in terms of business model, it's who's paying for this uh, or who will be paying? Is it the farmer paying per question or uh, per connection? Uh, what's the, the, yeah. the model behind that or the model you're thinking about? So we are um, assessing two models at the moment. And um, right now, during our proof of concept phase, how we're doing it right now, we are running a model as uh, that is pay as you want. So after you've sent a request, we ask you to, if it was useful for you to also contribute to the system or to us, basically, because we are paying the experts. So they are paid no matter what. Um, so that is the first one. And then the second one is um, organizations who want to, who work together with farmers transitioning towards regenerative agriculture. And um, these organizations are paying a flat fee. And based on that, then can get access to um, our regenerative hotline for the farmers that they're to be working together with. Um, but yeah, the idea is truly to have it somehow open. Like, um, and um, if we can um, keep the pay-as-you-want model as, a, as an option and truly enable everyone who needs it to get access to such advice, that would be our idea, ideal. Like, and this is also something, um, yeah. Like, we are as we are a company of purpose, I think, and the purpose of like distributing this knowledge seems very like uh, seems like a very good purpose to have. Yeah. <laughs> and until now, like the pay is as you want or pay what what value uh, it created for you. How, how has that been? going as an experiment. I'm asking because we've been running most of that, honestly, on, on the podcast. This, this has always been free and open to all. And if we created value and you have the means, um, we always invite you to, to support um, and to, to contribute. And how's it been going with, uh, with you? Until now, to be honest, small sample set, of course. With yeah, to be honest, not yeah. very well. Like, uh, not very well. Like, we, I think we have still a lot to learn to truly understand um, how we also communicate our service, like how, what a good answer is, like how, like we create this like continuous engagement, maybe if it's needed, like we don't even know if this is like something people want all the time, if it's just for specific aspects. And so, um, yeah, we, it's not like that uh, it's a business model yet where we would say, yeah, do, we can go on that. And this is how we are going to make our money. money. <laughs> 
Um, the other direction, working together with organizations, much easier to envision a future in which uh, farming is profitable. Yeah. And what is in it for the, and, and how does the, let's say the expert side, no expert is not like the practitioners that help answering these questions, they get paid no matter what you said, is that um, do you envision that for them to be a significant part of of scalable revenue compared to farm visits and consultancies, or is it more potentially they find more people where they can um, um, do these farm visits? Like what what part of, why, why would they contribute to this and why would they be part of uh, the answering the entering machine, let's say? But not the entering machine as in your phone, but literally entering machine. Yeah. So if they want to, I think they should be able to make a good living out of what we are paying them um but what we actually want to see is you know, we're talking about practitioners and i think we would love to see everyone being able to do on-farm experiments and get somehow compensated for that and um so really meaning um, that you're the farmers that are also asking the questions at some point will be answering some other that questions. would be that would be ideal like if somebody basically implements something successfully and has really like learned and went through these iterations of learnings um to then being able to answer other people right and like but honestly there's no end to knowledge right <laughs> there's absolutely no end and like ideally what happens is like that the practitioners who are answering the questions on our platform are actually going further than they've been like while answering the questions that we're having that people are having and so we see it really like as a co collective intelligence system i think is the name that we have been how we are phrasing it where like knowledge gets part of it and gets also applied and then um extra new knowledge will be developed from the people who are interested in doing so and um but yeah it should be definitely like a like a an attractive way for someone to make an income yeah um and and that is i think also very nice about it like we are giving them like and we can maybe go into that a bit more detail but we give a lot of tools that simplify the process of answering like for instance so because <clears throat> for sure they used to like be in 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 whatsapp groups and facebook groups and have endless questions and photos and, and let's say chaos um how do you make my life as a as an advisor or a practitioner that wants to share easier yeah so essentially like first of all we're buffering everything right like like nobody gets their, their phone number nobody like contacts the people directly so it's farman that gets contacted Farmon is doing the conversations with everyone. And only when we think like, okay, now is the point that one of the practitioners and experts can intervene or can go into the conversation, then we start contacting the person. Um, and then based on previous answers and based on like um, satellite data and things that we have developed previously for our um, monitoring verification process, we give these tools to... Um, to the expert to get additional context on the farm. And that's like climate data, how was the weather um, the last two years, how's the weather in the next two weeks. And so like basically, basically really get like an idea of what is happening. And then we use large language models and ChatGPT to generate answers based on the previous answers people have been giving. And we let them then modify these answers. And so right now, let's say, 
Um, in 30% of the cases, I think it's even lower, ChatGPT or large language models are able to actually produce an answer that is good. And the other 80% are kind of like taken on by the experts right now. So they are they're answering this question and um, they have to modify a lot, right? But over time, maybe for certain parts, um, on certain aspects and certain questions that came up a lot, like actually the, it just has to be reviewed. And um, so, but like, no matter what is happening, there's always like a human that basically looks over it. And at the moment, they have to do quite a lot of work, but over time, this is maybe reduced. And we're seeing business models for experts as well. Like when you contributed your knowledge and it's becoming part of the entire like intelligence system and it's been like reused more often, that then we can compensate compensate you for that as well. So like, your time actually reduces over time for certain aspects of the questions that you've been answering over and over again. And you get already like bored of answering them because like everybody has like the same questions when they go towards their transition to regenerative agriculture. And you're like, nah, man, like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and so like, but you can still get a compensation through us, right? And that I think is really the beauty of it. And you can actually then start to taking care of like more and more difficult and like questions that come in and that you would like to also develop your own expertise in. And so, yeah, I think that is a very nice value proposition for for um, experts working and practitioners working together with that with us. Extremely nice, and at the same time, it it raises a, a copyright or like who owns that information or, or data question, which is a very big one with large language models that have soaked up, let's say, the internet until I think twenty twenty one. Um, and now it, it triggers a, a massive, like if it then redistributes that or rearranges that into an answer, which is in many cases almost magical, um, who owns the data underneath? Like, is it me that, like, whoever uploaded that stuff in on the internet to begin with? Uh, but that's a big um, uh, question around large language models, which we're going to figure out uh, in, in a messy way for sure. In this case, do you get some questions around, yeah, but if I keep adding to the system, uh, to this this collective intelligence system, my unique quote unquote, because none of this knowledge is really unique, but my unique knowledge, my unique answers, um, will I be out of a job at some point? Like, will I, because you of course paint the picture, then you can work on the really difficult ones and not the boring questions, but at some point maybe also um, some of these collective intelligence systems are able to answer the more difficult questions. Like, what, what do you say when somebody says, yeah, I will basically answer myself out of a, out of a job? Yeah, I mean, gatekeeping is the evil of all scalability. <laughs> and I think uh, we really want to make regenerative agriculture the norm. That's the first thing. Like, so I think like sharing knowledge is at its essence, like the most important thing. But you're right. Like, um, I think the number one concern people have working together with us is exactly that. Like, I'm giving away my like knowledge that um, I've been working on for like the last 10, 20, 30 years to, uh, that, to acquire, right? And, um, and we are looking for business models and for intellectual property models um, that allow sharing revenues based on the knowledge that somebody has gathered over these years. And I think, um, yeah, honestly, like we need to, we are talking with... Uh, with uh, people exactly around that topic because uh, that's the number one thing that is coming up. And um, but I truly believe that there is ways to to share 
all knowledge that you have ever gathered and still make a profit out of this maybe and without gatekeeping your knowledge and i think we need to we need to find a, a future in which this is possible like it can't be that there's like a few practitioners and experts who then do webinars or something for like a small group of people because like how many webinars a year can you do like 200 but like we need to <laughs> we need to transition 600 million farmers in the world right like <laughs> like till you reach 600 million farmers with all these um, with your webinars and like with your um um and with your Courses, farm visits that's right. yeah. it's gonna it, it's impossible and um and there's yeah so i think the the one answer i can give you here is like <laughs> we need to find business models that work also for the people who are willing to share their knowledge with us. And, um, and that's, that's what we are working on. And, um, we are in discussions with, um, every single, um, expert and practitioner that we are working together with. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's the, um, the crucial question here in the whole large language model world at the moment, but in general as well. How do you yeah, create this collective intelligence system and make sure that uh, the people who helped create it, but then of course you get the argument and, and it's a very valid one. What about the people hundred years ago? What about um, the indigenous knowledge we build upon? What about et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, but it's a, it's a valid point, but at the same time, your point of 600 million farmers, like we'll never get there with, even if we have 10,000 amazing advisors, which is physically, it's just impossible. And this is a, a way to use potentially use technology uh, in a way to to scale that knowledge and to get access to it. So it's but it's that tension that makes it makes it interesting for sure as well. Uh, and I, I can imagine some of the advisors see that potential, like they can suddenly reach basically infinite amount of people and infinite amount of farmers. Um, but I can also see the fear reaction from some others. I can imagine the fear reaction, but at the same time, they they probably potentially realize this might lead to, and first of all, an interesting income stream, maybe interesting potentially uh, equity or part of a company or somehow um, copyright in a certain way, but also to maybe way more interesting farm visit clients that, that reach out and um, that the re like you can potentially pick and select the really interesting and difficult ones and work on those um, while um, you, you keep a, a nice steady or base income through, uh, through this piece without ever leaving your farm or ever leaving your your context. Yeah. Let me let me say one more thing about that and I think like this thinking about um I need to gatekeep my knowledge comes with like scarcity versus abundance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that is really the idea of like this resource like knowledge is finite, but it's not. It's like I mean like we've been developing things over the last 10,000 years and there's no reason to believe that like we like in a in a that the next thousand years are, shouldn't be the same when it comes to agriculture as well. And like we know so little about nature, and like nature's complexities are so like big. And like that, um, yeah. I think there's always ways to optimize things, and always ways to find ways. Um, yeah, to to be at the pinnacle of knowledge, and I think um, that's also where we want to be. We it must want be to, exciting. For some, for yeah, some, for some. Be like, whoa, finally I can tap into, but I, I can see, yeah, that it's really that fight or flight response, like abundance yeah. or, um, or 
like restricting, holding on, um, what, what this is, I've developed this over time and now, et cetera, et cetera. And I have, it's just already an interesting sentence there. So it's that, um, that tension that you must be dealing with constantly, but at the same time, this unlimited potential of, of unlocking this knowledge and the realization we only scratch the surface in terms of this knowledge. Like we're really at the absolute beginning and having that whole group of, of practitioners practicing um, and, and monitoring and observing and connecting and seeing uh, connections there is going to be, um, it's going to be extremely exciting and extremely necessary. Fully agree. And so what, what is the biggest bottleneck? What's the most difficult piece? Um, I mean, you're, you're raising a, a round is, I don't know, maybe business model. What, what do you, what do you see as the, um, the biggest barrier or bottleneck at the moment? Um, again, we're talking September, October, 2023. I think for us, the biggest bottleneck right now is to truly understand like how to create value on a farm. Um, and that might be an answer and it might be like what we're doing right now, but, um, the eternal answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, no, like literally the answer to the farmer, right? Like just giving an answer might not be enough. Like, and, um, and so I think truly figuring out how we can create a service that continuously on every day of your, of your, of your farming, um, season, um, how we can provide value there. And I think um, that is um, the biggest bottleneck right now because we see that farmers are interested, farmers are asking a question or two, and then they also say that they, that they really like the, the question, the answer or the response that we gave. But uh, many of them are not um, coming back yet. And so our, like, what that means to us is like, okay, people are generally interested, but... Um, Maybe it's too difficult, for example, like to always come up with like a well-polished question, right? Like, like uh, it takes mm -hmm. me effort. And like, so sometimes um, we're seeing like, it's very much like people are, who are like already having a good idea who then f are able to formulate the question. And I think we need to find ways to ease this process. Um, yeah. It's like with, with big language models, Prompting it is probably the most difficult thing. And there's now a whole industry starting of how to really ask good prompting questions. And the same was with, with Google in the beginning and still now. Most people just don't know how to ask questions to, uh, to, to Google or in this case to ChatGPT or to how to have that conversation and get most out of it. It's very difficult. And so I can completely imagine if I'm a farmer, like I don't even know what, I, I know partly my problem, but I don't really know how to uh, translate that into a clear understandable, well-defined question. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an art or craft actually. Exactly. And then I think so for us really like there's like this idea of black box at the moment still, right? Like you, you ask a question into the void and then, um, there's something the someone answers. answering <laughs> back, right? But we have, we have profiles for every expert that we're working together with and they know who they are talking with. And uh, it's important for us that, it's not farmer that is necessarily answering at the moment. It's literally, it's, it's this person and this person, um, is, uh, responsible for this question and they own it. And, um, but yeah, I, I think we, we are exploring now, right now, like different ways of, um, triggering. I mean, they, own the, um, they don't own the answer, right? They own the, 
you own the information. Like owning here means a different thing than ownership. Yeah, ownership in this case, it doesn't mean that like we own the answer. We, we basically, it's our responsibility that it's a good answer. Mm -hmm. But of course, they are the ones responsible for formulating. Yeah, for, yeah, like, yeah, sure. yeah. And so like ownership, I mean, like you take it on and it's your responsibility to make it like to be make sure good at it. Sorry, but I interrupted you on, on your working with triggers. Yeah. And so we are looking basically for other ways of like triggering, um, like people asking the right questions. And I think, um, so as someone, uh, like, so the transition starts anywhere. Like it can be like, you can be a fully conventional farm. You can be an organic farmer or something. And like, um, at some point you just want to do something differently. And I think, um, having this made, having done this step already is really important. And like, once people have been doing this step, I think like it's, great to find like ways to like yeah make sure that um that like thinking the next steps etc is as um as also rewarding as possible and i think um that is really our bottleneck yet like we people come up to us with a very specific question and then they're like okay this is answered now but then um i i think uh, they are still forgetting about us or like we they think we maybe not be able to answer these questions as well. And I think that is, it's really like a, how, how people see us. And I think that's, uh, that's, uh, how you become part of their daily thinking and daily, um, questioning and daily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we daily don't need to, necessarily, yeah. yeah, we don't need to be part of their life. Like that's not what we want. We want to be part of, um, the decisions and actions they're taking that they think is re are relevant and um, they want to have like a good feedback loop around that. And I think that's, uh, this is really, really where we want to be. Yeah. And you, you said something very important about the farmer or land steward already have made the decision that they want something. Is that a potential risk or challenge when you start working with these um, organizations that want their farmers to transition, but then you the farmers that really want to, like how like, are you going to, are you going to end up working with a lot of reluctant farmers that, that don't really want to move or how do you, um, work with that as in this case, the farmers come to you and say, I want I have this question or I want to change that this and this. And I mean, there's a different energy to it. If you want to going to work with a large cooperative that works with I'm saying 200, 500 thousand, et cetera, farmers. Um, how do you make sure uh, you're not trying to drag them or nudge them or pull them uh, mm -hmm. or push them too much? Let's say that, that it's more a pull than a push. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question, Kuhn. Um, like, I don't think we are right now really in the business of changing people's minds. Like, um, it's like people are, we are, we are far away already from some people. And, um, so ensuring that is something that we are explicitly yeah. not focusing on yet. Yeah. And, um, also probably not in the near future. And if, but indeed that is, it is key. It's key for us that people are already thinking in a different way. And, um, and, um, let's, let's see what the next couple of years bring us. And if we maybe are soon also into in the business of doing that as well. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, it also depends partly. I don't know if, if your business was even possible a year ago with chat GPT, I think we're at 3.5 now or anyway, the, the previous version, I don't know if, uh, 
if it suddenly got unlocked now with large language models and all the excitement and all the development around it. Um, but who knows what, what happens in, in the near uh, the near future uh, with that. Um, I remember Marcel van der Berg, I think, mentioning in the Water Cycle series, um, the excitement or the interest now in um, the new computer power and the, the, the ability, and this was on the landscape scale, to run different models and to run like a digital twin of a landscape and see um, with many different variables what would happen if you do, if you do X, Y, Z. And he said, yeah, six months ago, or even in that case, a few months ago, that wasn't possible, or at least we didn't know it was possible. And now suddenly uh, we're in a whole different um, realm in terms of what we can show, what a landscape could look like with this and these interventions. Um, and that kind of computer power wasn't just, was, just wasn't there um, mm. before. So of course it's impossible to, to predict that over the next, uh, over the next years. Um, but what would you say now to, if we do this, uh, let's say in the fresh, uh, fresh office or in blue city, uh, with a room full of, uh, of, of impact investors. Um, and we talk about this, the role of technology in the regenerative, tr regenerative transition. Of course, they're excited after, uh, after uh, our conversation, but what would be your main message to them? Or what would you want them if they walk out of Blue City uh, in, in Rotterdam, if they walk out of that, what would be the main thing you want them to remember um, if we discuss this, this role of technology in, in this regenerative transition? Hmm. Good question. I, so we went as Farman, we went from measuring outcomes and moved towards measuring practices. And then we went now to ensuring that practices are, are actually implemented well. And, um, we did that. Yeah, which is a fascinating journey because I remember the beginning with fresh, you were really looking at cover crops and, and, um, then outcome, then yeah, it's a, that yeah. journey itself, I think should tell and um, like so basically to, to i think what what i'm what i really came also to realize is like and this is also looking at from it in a very engineering kind of way like the kpis the things that we measure in agriculture have been wrong and like for example we measured um, yield in kilograms right and out of the sudden the entire system optimizes towards yield in kilograms and what we end up with is watery tomatoes and I think as an investor, I wouldn't focus too much on measuring generalizable KPIs or anything, but really let like farmers and local people like set objectives that fit their context, right? And then measure these and that's fine, but don't try to like, yeah, find like ways to measure regenerative agriculture because it's probably not possible on a generalizable large scale. But what is possible is that locals come up with their own experiments, with their own um, objectives that they maybe try to hit and then um, um, trust them that they're taking the right choice. And like, I think our system actually really embraces this idea that it's about the on-farm context and that there cannot be just like an FAQ or like a, like a YouTube video that is answering all your questions, but it always has to be curated in a way so that it's context-specific. And so going away from measuring outcomes um, to measuring maybe outcomes and whatever is necessary on a local level, I think that is um, really what how I would like to see like investors go into in like, this is the direction they should go into maybe. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very interesting answer. And, and what if we flip the, the, um, 
the conversation in that sense or uh, put you in the driver's seat of a large uh, investment fund. Uh, we usually say a billion euros uh, or a billion dollars, but in this case, euros. And what would you, what would you focus on? What would you, um, I'm not looking for dollar amounts or euro amounts, but I'm, I'm definitely looking at what your uh, priority list would look like if you had that to invest again, to invest. So at some point it could be extremely long, uh, but at some point it should get back uh, preferably with a return. And we can discuss uh, about non-extractive returns, how high, how low, um, but at some point it should get back. What would you prioritize? What would you focus on? Yeah, I think um, one of the most important problems right now is also resilience of income. And um, I think climate change, and many other like parameters basically that let these um, create like bigger oscillations. And I think these oscillations need to be somehow um, mitigated against. And so what I would love to see is like a real crop insurance for regenerative agriculture that basically takes on and, and distributes the risks. Um, and so that you as a farmer don't have to yeah, take that necessarily. Um, and I know and how that would you structure that or how like, would you enable that? Yeah. yeah, I think that is still a problem because it goes exactly against like what I just said about um, um, measuring outcomes. <laughs> um, but I think with um, computation, with um, like certain like localized ways of doing things, um, we, we can find ways to make agriculture more resilient. And I think, um, yeah, regenerative agriculture will be the norm and will be, um, a non, non topic soon because that is the way of how we're going to go forward and how everyone is going to go forward. And to ask a question. I don't know what your bubble in that sense looks like or, or your peers, maybe within Fresh in, in the cohort or let's say within the, the startup community of um, regeneration, regenerative food and agriculture. Uh, where do you think differently? Uh, and definitely this question comes from, from John Kemp. What do you believe to be true about regenerative agriculture that others don't? Uh, he always asks it about agriculture in general, but I like to ask it about regenerative agriculture. Like, Where are you contrarian? Um, when you, you meet your peers in, in this space? I think just what I just said, like uh, regenerative agriculture will soon be a non-topic because everyone needs to do it. And um, basically, if I think about the total addressable Absolutely market for, for Farmon, it's basically every farmer who needs to do things differently and this is going to be everyone. And so, um, and I think that's kind of come rather sooner than later. Why, why is that? And how soon is soon is that months, years? What, what do you, what do you see? Uh, I would say the next, uh, uh, of course, I don't know, but, um, let's say 10, 20 years, um, everyone, um, but in some areas already much sooner and, um, maybe it will be called differently or like, um, the focus is not so much on regeneration, but on resilience or so, but, um, I think, um, yeah, like people are flexible and um, farming is flexible and farming has always been changing. And um, I truly believe that 
um, or what we think about when we think about regeneration, like that it is a way that will lead the future. And if you could, we call it the magic wand question, if you could change one thing overnight, what, what would it be? Uh, let everyone do what they want to do. <laughs> and so farming definitely needs to be super attractive, right? And I think that's uh, really what we, what we want. We want to have the profession or like you're also talking often about land stewardship. And I think it needs to be something people want to do and choose. And I think we need to change the incentives in a way that it becomes attractive and yeah, it's farming is a sexy um, career path that um, people that maybe did not inherit a farm um, do anyways, because it's really cool. Um, and so, yeah, letting everyone do what they want to do. And what do you see as the biggest barriers for, for that to happen? Is it land prices? Is it the general uh, margins on, on farming? Is it, uh, like you said, we have to align incentives differently? What are the big ones there for you that, that are holding us back? Is it the knowledge piece? Definitely could be. I don't think it's necessarily knowledge piece. I think it's, I think for many it is, um, yeah, like how much money do I make and what is like the risk that I'm taking and like if I think about starting a startup like I also basically withhold myself from having a good income through a tech job and I'm expecting much higher risk like rewards in the end from my doing that and I think as a farmer you basically have similar risks as like uh, someone who's creating a startup or even higher because like I can always go back to my programming job and I'm going to be well off. Um, but you have these high risks and sometimes very little rewards. And I think we need to somehow work on that. Like basically create higher rewards. And I think a lot of that has to do with money. Yeah. Um, so we need to find ways and business models that make farming very attractive. And, and do you see that more in getting more of, like, say, let's say, the food dollars and food euros to the farm, or and or maybe in in how to reward farmers and and then sewage for um, other things? And of course, you look deep into that. Uh, the other services they provide on a landscape scale, on a, on a cooling the planet, on water um, cycle restoration, on water filtering, carbon biodiversity, the whole thing. Um, which one of the two do you feel like is a bigger lever? Food or, okay. or ecosystem services, which is a horrible word. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, uh, I think uh, the talking, uh, like, so was in the Farm Food Climate Festival in Germany the other week, a couple of weeks ago. And then we had this discussion with quite some farmers who explained, like, what they think about ecosystem services. And the majority literally answered, Actually, I just really like making food. And I think um, this is, again, also let everyone do what they really want to do. Is like, if this is your objective and you really want to make food, you should make food. And, um, and so if that is what someone wants to do, they should do that. And I think that's a 
also for me like a it's a big lever like everybody needs to eat and so <laughs> let's let's focus on that as well and um and all the other things are great um but we should accept that not everyone wants to be a land steward um in a sense of like taking care of some birds on a field yeah like it's uh, not everybody's thing yeah but I, i think you can argue if you do the food piece well the others um i wouldn't say come automatically um, but it would be a shame if you have created other values to to not capture some of that and make your your journey easier but yeah you already have so many balls in the air um as a farmer that it's also it could be a great distraction yeah i mean i found it i would find it's quite weird if out of the sudden like it makes more sense to not um harvest from your land anymore right like uh, like and it's more attractive to just let it let it rest or let it bear and uh not bear but yeah like, no, no, of course I'm, I'm, yeah. i think it's the that intersection between biomass production and and part of it is to to harvest and and extract and part of it is not um and that's that's the dance but at some point now you see and that we close but um it's more profitable to rent out your land for um for solar fields than it is to farm and and then we get yeah of course energy is important electricity is important but uh, food um probably a bit more so there's definitely some uh, misaligned incentives uh, let's say to absolutely uh, absolutely uh, and it's, nobody ever said it's an easy question to answer right um <laughs> and um Yeah, if there's big and nice interesting business incentives, then I think people will change their behavior. Like I I I truly believe so. Um so if it's attractive to um yeah, do ecosystem services, then people will do. Will do it. Yeah. And I still need the knowledge, which is uh, the the start and in this case the end of the conversation as well. I think it's a good <laughs> Um, moment to to wrap up. I want to thank you so much for for coming on and and share about your journey and and of course the work you've been doing uh, on uh, creating this collective intelligent system for regenerative farming. Uh, it's early, but it's also very exciting. So thank you so much, and hopefully we'll be following this story and this venture as it develops over time. Thank you so much, Kuhn, for the podcast, and um, everyone, please try out the try the thing. <laughs> Yeah. Ask difficult questions. Exactly. Important Ask questions. more important, important questions. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. For the show notes and links we discussed in this episode, check out our website, investinginregenerativeagriculture.com forward slash posts. If you like this episode, why not share it with a friend or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts? That really helps. Thanks again and see you next time.